0: He does, because there's no cha-cha-chas, except in my heart. That's a great, great song, and that's our prayer for this year. I'm going to introduce you to uh, a prayer. I'm going to do it at the beginning and the end of our time in the Word, and you're going to hear it a lot until you get a new preacher. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to do something never found in Scripture. Sit on your backside, bow your head, close your eyes. Never found in Scripture, but I ask you to do that. That's our tradition for prayer. And then at the end, we'll stand uh, when I do it later in the service. Let's pray. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. We are at a new year. Folks are traveling. I can tell you folks are traveling because I took off from Fort Worth this morning. I was very thankful to have a 10 o'clock start time today. Uh, Because normally I have to be here at 8.15 and that means I leave at 5.30. This morning I left at 7.15. It seemed gloriously late. And it rained all the way to Forney and then uh, I thought I was in Gatlinburg. It was so foggy for the next 30 or 40 miles and then it was drippy coming in. So I was thankful to get here. But as I thought about the message today... I know there are certain realities on the first Sunday of the year. Number one, lots of folks are traveling. And about uh, 8.15 this morning, all of a sudden, man, families joined a few truckers and I on the highway as they were starting their long journey home. It was crowded, busy, a couple of accidents, those kinds of things. And as you can see, some of the folks here with kids are gone. I'm a grandparent. I know the battle of the grandparents over the holidays. You know, it's rock, paper, scissors who gets to have the kids on New Year, the grandkids on New Year's and Thanksgiving, uh, and then the other ones get to have them during the real-time Christmas. We get to have ours all week for Christmas. So I know lots of folks are gone. I know a lot of folks stay up late. I know some of you. In fact, I had a confession of this this morning. They celebrated the New Year with New York time because they wanted to get a good night's sleep. That works. I mean, after all, it wasn't until this year and all the years on TV that there was actually a celebration for the Central Time Zone, so we finally got included. And I know that y'all kind of know what's going to be said today. You've already heard some of it, and every bit of it is important. But somehow in the middle of that, i got to sneak a sermon in that puts a little grit in your get-along and puts a little target for your focus. So if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear the children's sermon today. And it's a children's sermon that was told originally by one of the greatest philosophers and theologians. And it surprised everybody when he did it, but it's powerful. The little duck preacher greeted all his little duck church. Little duck church. It's the first Sunday of the year. I am so glad you are with us this day because it's a launch of a new movement a new opportunity a new time to be renewed in our newness well the preacher was not quite sure if it was the leftovers of the evening celebration the night before or if it was the power of his message But he was a bit taken back. As he preached, a number of the little ducks gave a little duck, amen. Startled, it gave him more juice to continue. Now, my little duck church, there are many things that we could talk about this day. But today, I want to remind you of who we are. We are ducks. Amen, amen. We are not worms to crawl in the dirt. We are not snails to slime along. We are not turtles to waddle down the road. We're ducks. Amen, amen. Little duck amens were starting to grow. He was getting more passionate. Look at us. God gave us web feet. Not to walk upon the pavement, but to be upon the waters. Amen, amen. They were starting to get excited. They liked waters. And the Lord gave us wings so that we could fly, not waddle along the ground. Amen, amen. And then the little duck amens were pouring in from every corner of the congregation. And so he said, this is the time. Little Lux, this will be a year like no other. Some of them even raised their hands now when they gave an amen. It was almost bordering on Pentecostal in the little church. And so he said, this year we will be who the Lord has made us. We will be those who go up on the waters and soar upon the wind. And if you're ready to do that, shout a big amen. And the congregation gave a big amen. Then at the close of service, one of the little duck elders got up. And he said, brothers and sisters, we have been given a great challenge. Let's not waste this year. Let's go up on the waters. And let's soar upon the winds. You are now dismissed. And all the little ducks said amen, got out of their pews, and they all waddled out the back door. <laughs> That's funny, except it's a little too convicting, isn't it? You kind of want to go, oh, come on, preacher, that's... Yes, we'll criticize it as being silly. When what we mean is it's a little too convicting. Let's move on. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have broken a resolution so far today? I'm not going to ask for responses during the invitation song for that. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, Only you guys know that. But I do know that some of you made a New Year's resolution not to be late for church. And even though we started an hour late, you were three minutes late, just like you always are, no matter what time we start. And there are other things that are even more convicting. So this morning, I'm here to remind you that we've got a choice. We can live an old year, just like we've done in the past. You know, it's clickety-clack, clickety-clack, another lap around the track. And it'll be easy, because we're used to it. It's the status quo, it's what we know, it's, it's what we kind of feel like is okay. Or it can be a new year. But you don't have a choice as a church, whether it's going to be an old year or new year, do you? Because you sure don't want me around this time next year. little duck amen on that one? I thought I'd get one. <laughs> amen. I'll amen it. Because my job, we've got seven churches waiting, and we've added two. We've got 14 guys out and seven churches waiting. That lets you know how hard it is to find preachers, good preachers, quality preachers that are partner for churches. But my prayer is that you don't get to decide whether or not it's going to be a new, fresh year. And the things that the elders and the things that Paul challenged you with are things that help open your eyes. You're going to hear some other things from your adult ed group, from the mission and vision team. So I want you to choose for it to be a new year. And there are all sorts of scriptures I could refer to, but I know that there's this weight that weighs against leveraging the new year, because you already know a lot of these scriptures. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Or we could talk about this. The steadfast steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are, say it with me, new every morning. And then this one, which is true every day, but especially true of that one day. The one seated on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. And we know those scriptures and we believe those scriptures. But most of the time we get stuck with the old year and we choose the old year because it's easy and because we know how hard it is to actually change anything. And besides, we don't want folks pushing us and forcing us to change. So we get stuck in the old year's habits. And we get stuck in the old year's sins. And we get stuck with the old year's laziness. And we get stuck with the old year's status quo. I'm glad Rick's keeping an account of his New Year's resolutions. Mine from last year are too convicting. You know, we have a bit of cynicism to all this new stuff at the new year with the new resolutions because we have proven our limitations to live up to them, whether they're to drop weight or to get to church on time or to Quit running up credit card debt or quit talking about ourselves too much or start listening better or giving more generously or staying away from pornography or quit flirting at work or stop drinking too much or spend more time reading the Bible or not shop online so much, not spend so much time on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and a host of other social media, not praying more passionately and quit saying words that are un helpful, unflattering, and unnecessary. And you've probably got some things on your list that you want to be better at. I'm with good people who care about Jesus, who care about the church, who care about their families, who care about each other, and we want to do better, but we seem to get stuck. We want to do the right things, but there are a number of things that sabotage us. Some of them have to do with it being hard to change. Some of it has to do with we've got someone that doesn't want us to change because he's got us held captive and hostage in that Satan. But I want to share with you two things in 40 years of ministry that I've found trip up more people than anything I'm aware of. And the first one are untrue excuses. We don't change because we let ourselves believe untrue excuses. You can call those lies of the devil, but I'll be a little more politically correct and I'll call them untrue excuses. Here's some I've heard I'm too old, and old dogs can't learn new tricks. Well, tell that to Moses or Simeon or Abraham or Sarah. Tell that to Paul who could say, even though my outer nature is wasting away, inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. I have two friends who went on mission trips in their 80s and then went back and did it again. I've seen four elders carry an 80-something-year-old lady that couldn't walk into the baptistry, each holding the leg of a chair. And they were the elevator that lowered her into the water and brought her back up because she was convinced that she had life left to live for Jesus. I remember baptizing a guy that was 93 years old along with his 90-year-old wife. Don't believe the lie. Old dogs might not can learn new tricks, but old Christians are called... To be made new each day. I'm too young. It's just not the right time. There's stuff for me to do. I've got things I've got to do to enjoy all my life. And I've shared with you already my friend Gary. He told me that on the 17th tee box of Rolling Hills Country Club in Arlington, Texas. Right across from North Davis Church. Six months later we put him in the ground. At 14 years old. I am too addicted. I just can't get over it. I've tried. I've willed. I've done everything I know to do. I can't get past it. I'm I'm too busy. There is no one too busy for God's work. They have simply chosen to reject God's priorities. That sounds harsh, but it's the world we live in i got too many problems. I'll I'll come back and deal with this spiritual stuff when I get my problems together. Here's the biggest one of all. Lots of people do a lot worse things than I do. I'm pretty good, and I'm kind of satisfied with where I am. Most of us won't admit that out loud, but in our heart of hearts, that's what we tell ourselves. And so we settle. But each of these keeps us in last year. Any of y'all remember the movie Groundhog Day? Where that same stupid song woke you up every morning with the alarm and the guy lives through the same day, day after day after day. Well, we do that in the church. We just call it New Year's. And we don't do it every day. We just do it once a year. And it's time that we reached into yesteryear and remembered what we did when... We spun vinyl, and we listened to hi-fi. And there was a scratch in the record, and it just kept repeating. Uh, I know that two-thirds of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but it's coming back. You can now buy a turntable with Bluetooth and listen to the old vinyls on your phone. Isn't that cool? Technology is wonderful. But when the thing has a scratch and it gets stuck, you just kind of have to bump the thing a little bit to get it over the hump. And so that's my job. Because ultimately, as Christians, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit. And I think the devil doesn't want us to believe in the Holy Spirit. There we go. To believe in the Holy Spirit means we believe that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And if God could raise a dead body from the dead, stealing from the grave, take him out of the clutches of Satan's greatest tool... And that power's at work in us. Then we need to say what my mama told me growing up. Philip Dixon Ware can't never could do anything. So you're not going to use the word can't in this house. There's not a can't in the Christian vocabulary. There's if God wills, and it is right, I'm going to do it. It's just kind of like Yoda. Any of y'all remember Yoda? Star Wars is coming back, the best Star Wars movie since the first one is out, Rogue One. You remember Yoda? There is no try. There is either do or not do. God's calling us to launch into a new year. A second excuse, kind of on the opposite end of that, is unrealistic expectations. There's this naive assumption. It's a new year, and I'm a strong person, and I'm dedicated to God, and I'm going to change everything. And we make us a list, and we launch out into the new year. And then when we don't live up to it, we give it all up. We stumble a time or two, and it's over. And by January 31st, we've gotten all that stuff behind us so we don't have to worry about the diet, the language, the drinking, or whatever, and we can have a good time at Super Bowl. I mean, that's the process that America goes through. But we're better than that. So unrealistic expectations that suddenly we're going to be able to put all these things that have held us captive that Satan has used behind us in one fell swoop is naive. If the Apostle Paul couldn't will himself to keep the law, we're not going to obey everything perfectly right off the bat either. But we don't want to let ourselves off the hook too easily, so what are we going to do? It means to follow Jesus as a disciple, we pursue Jesus for transformation. We're looking for him to transform us, and transformation takes time. It takes a change in being. The word used for transformation that we'll look at in a minute it's metamorpheo. you know that. All the kids that have ever seen a caterpillar change into a butterfly know what metamorpheo means. It's metamorphosis. It's a change of state in a living being. And that's what Paul's talking about in us. We're not going to get derailed because we stumble once or twice. Because our heart is, uh, is geared to transformation. One of the most powerful passages that I think gives us three very simple, straightforward tools to help us get past these two stumbling blocks is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now that chapter is all about we're not under law, we're under the way of the Spirit. We don't serve in the way of a written code, we don't serve in the way of a law. Instead, the Spirit of God is at work in us and He's transforming us from the inside out to be the kinds of people he wants to be. And the culminating verse is, unlike Moses, who in the presence of God glowed and would walk away and, and the glory of God would dim, we look at God with unveiled faces. And we contemplate and reflect. If you have a translation, you'll notice there's a footnote that that word means the same thing. Because what do you do in a mirror? You look into the mirror, and the mirror looks back at you. And that's what we do. We focus, we contemplate on Jesus, and then we begin to reflect his glory back. And as we contemplate and reflect the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And the power to do this doesn't come from us, but it comes from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. So I want, us, I want us to think about three things as we journey forward. Number one, a preacher's got to have three things, but there are three things in this verse, so I'm going to give them to you. Number one, we're going to pursue Jesus. Now, the reading plan that we're going to embrace, and I'm going to embrace it with you, at least for as long as I'm here, is hard because there's not a lot of New Testament for a long time. So I will tell you a secret. You can read one chapter out of the gospel, each gospel, one chapter at a time, at the opposite time of day that you read your normal Bible reading. So in other words, you read your Bible reading for today. You've got it in your bulletin. If you did that this morning, then tonight you just read Matthew 1. And the next day you read the next one and you read Matthew 2 that night. And that way you get Jesus four times through all four Gospels all year long. And that way you don't have to wait so long for the New Testament and you begin to see what Paul's talking about, that Jesus' life and ministry and teaching is built on the foundation of the Old Testament, which is built on the foundation of God's love to redeem a rebellious humanity. But read Scripture. We pursue Jesus through Scripture, the foundation of who He is, His identity, the teaching of His morality. I'll give you one that's, uh, that's often shared today. A lot of people are going around saying Jesus didn't ever say anything about same sex attraction or same sex marriage, which is absolutely, teetotally false because he described marriage for what it is. But his whole moral code is built upon the Old Testament moral code. And he didn't change it, and he didn't correct it, and he didn't leave anything out. And so we want to hear the voice of Jesus in the Scriptures. His ministry is based on that foundation. So let's pursue Jesus. So when you read Scripture, simply say, Holy Spirit, help me here today. What Jesus wants me to know what he wants me to feel about what I'm reading, and what does he want me to do in response. Because remember, who's the foolish man? You know, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and his rain came tumbling down, and it went splash at the end. Who's the foolish man? It's not the person that doesn't know Jesus' teaching. It's the person that doesn't do it. So we pursue Jesus. We want to know Him. We want Him to be real to us. We want to hear His voice. And I promise you, if you'll add the gospel, one chapter out of a gospel each day to the other reading, you're going to get halfway through the year and you're going to know what Jesus wants you to do and what what He wants you to be. Number two, we seek transformation. We want stuff now. We want it instantly. We want it to be better almost overnight. Lord, I want to lose weight. I'm, I'm going to go on an elk hunt in October, and I've got to lose 40 pounds. I'd like to wake up tomorrow and be 40 pounds lighter. I didn't hear that, but I have a pretty good idea of what that is. That's an amen or a me too or uh-huh. And here's the temptation. I can go pay a couple thousand dollars and have them suck all that fat out of my body. But you know what I know? If I don't change and do it the transformational way, if I get that fat sucked out of my body this week, by October it's going to be back when I'm at 10,000 feet. Let's be real. So we seek transformation. While the quick fix is easier, we understand that if we're reaching and moving toward Jesus, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall some. We're going to goober up. We're going to get three or four days behind in our reading, and we're going to try to catch up all at once. And when you start putting ketchup on Scripture, you know what happens? You get so far behind, there's nothing left to eat, and you give up. So if you get behind, just go to the right day and start there. And if you need to make up Isaiah or Ezekiel, those are easy compared to numbers, okay? We all know numbers, and Second Chronicles is really difficult because there's all this stuff about the and so many years in property and land, and that's the judges too. If you get behind, don't try to catch up. Just start back up. That's where God works with us is where we are, so let's start where we are and get back on track. We seek transformation. We're not going to let us stumble destroy us because we know we're not going to get it perfect every day, but the Lord knows we're reaching for Him and seeking for Him. Number three, we're going to trust that He's going to give us the power. In that passage, where does the power to transform come from? Not from us. Go read Romans 8. The Spirit does what the law could never do. Yes, Jesus came and he paid a sacrifice for our sins. That was a perfect sacrifice, but now we still got to live up to the call of God, the high call of God. By our own willpower, are we any stronger to do that than the people in the Old Testament? Absolutely not. But there's one fundamental difference that makes us stronger, and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit helps us live up to the standards of the law, Romans 8 1 through 4 says. And the law could never help us do that. So we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Folks ask me all the time. I have, I have a daily devotional on the Holy Spirit. We're changing the name to God's Holy Fire, and there's 13,000 or 14,000 people that subscribe to it every day. It's not one of our biggest devotionals, but it's growing little by little. And uh, people ask me all the time, how do I get power from the Holy Spirit? That's what Jesus says, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. You who are fathers, this is a really a good Christmas passage. You who are fathers, even though you're pretty imperfect in lots of ways, know how to, good, how, how to give good gifts to your kids. You're not going to give them a, steak or a snake or a stone when they ask for bread or food. You know how to give them good gifts. How much more? Will your Father in heaven not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, I don't know why that first one didn't want to stay up there. Let's see if I can go back. There we go. We got, we're going to pursue Jesus. And whatever reading plan you do, ask Jesus to be real to you and ask him what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to feel, what you're supposed to know. We're going to seek transformation, so if we get knocked down, we blow it, we sin again, we stumble, we trust that when we confess our sins, when we confess our transgressions, they're gone. We can't ever repeat them again because God wipes them away and we start fresh. And we keep putting ourselves out in front of Him to be transformed. And finally, we trust we'll be given the power. So this morning, I want to ask you, to choose the new year. I know you know all the sermons and all all the scriptures and you've done all the stuff. But I also know you don't want to be a Little Duck Church. When God has called you to be upon the waters and to soar upon the wind, you don't want to waddle in the muck and be less than. God's called us to a great future. And I believe that. And I've seen that. And I trust that for you. But the real question is, will you commit? I'm going to ask you to stand in just a minute. We're going to sing a song. Tony, come on up here. Everybody, come on, stand. I'm not going to do the normal lead-in to the invitation thing. And this time we're going to pray. We're not going to bow our heads and we're not going to close our eyes and we're not going to sit on our backsides. We're going to be scriptural. Anybody that would like to raise their hands as we pray, lift your hands. If you're not comfortable, don't worry about it. This is my prayer for you. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. That you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To Him be the glory and the praise and the honor forever and ever. Amen. If you're ready to walk with Him and you need to have some help. An elder's going to be around to grab you. If, if you need the support of a friend or two in church and you find somebody that you're close to, go to them and say, Hey, I want you to help hold me accountable in my reading or in my New Year's resolutions. And if you need to come to Jesus, this is a great time. Not a better Sunday in 2017 to confess Christ and be baptized on January 1st. Because that's today. Let's sing yourself in the sight of the law yourself in the of the Lord.